This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Welcome to the PR Pod, the essential podcast for emerging public relations professionals. Today's episode leads us down the PR pathway of Jennifer Hawkins. Jenna's a trailblazer in the public relations industry in the US. She's the CEO of not one, but two integrated agencies that specialize in PR, social and digital execution in luxury travel, wellness, lifestyle and real estate. With a head office based in New York and staff dotted around the country, Jen's clients are located worldwide from South Africa to South America, Los Angeles to London, Boston to Bermuda. She joins me today to give you an overview of her career to date, what led her to setting up her own business almost 20 years ago, how to stay nimble and effective both as an employee and a business owner, plus the lessons she's learned along the way. Jen, welcome back to the PR pod. Thank you, Brooke. I love being here, you know, and I love PR, so I get totally nerded out when it comes to like talking <laughs> about PR. And I love talking about it right now because, again, as, as in your intro, we're, we're travel focused. So, you know, it's it's been a, a challenging, you know, couple years um, and just, you know, it's 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 good to sort of still be standing and sort of you know, be part of the the pivot process that PR has had to has had to undertake, and I think that you know that's one of the things that PR people are really good at is adapting and molding, and yeah. you know, sort of being part of the message and not sort of waiting for it to happen. Absolutely, controlling it, and yeah, steering steering the ship, if you will. So, how did PR come on your radar? Because if um, if I recall correctly, you studied social ecology at university, which does not sound very communications based. So what led you to studying that and how did PR get on your radar eventually? So I went to University of California at Irvine in California and majored in a very unique major, social ecology. And I liked it because it was multidisciplinary. It was sociology, psychology, criminal justice, and urban planning. So it sounds really like a big bite to chew off, except that I loved it because it was about problem solving. If you even take urban planning, it wasn't about just coming at it from one point of view. So you had to kind of holistically sort of study, you know, the deviance in, in the criminology as much as how where you were going to put, you know, schools to you know oh, fascinating. yeah so in some ways and so I had no idea what public relations was and I really thought that I was going to go on to law school and so right after I graduated college I actually moved to well I will say just to back up when I was at college in at university I worked at the women's resource center so it was a really cool job because I had to apply for it and I got to actually do my own programming. So I did a program on, and you could pick anything. So I did something on like uh, um, sexism in beauty pageants. And then I did another one on um, uh, like landlords and like you know renters that kind of thing it was like workshopping and I had to like attract people I I interviewed authors and brought them to school so I it was really more of I did a thing on date rape with back before people even really knew what like you know date rape mm -hmm. was and so it I 
So again, I didn't know what PR was or really event planning or anything like that because I was studying this sort of like social ecology, this sort of social justice pathway where I thought eventually I was going to go into law school. And then I got an opportunity to get an internship through University of California through their government relations program and they took interns from across the state of California and moved them to DC for internships. And so I worked for the University of California in DC doing on their lobbyists with their lobbyists. So I got a taste of DC and so when I graduated I went back to DC to work and I moved there. I mean I was an intern but when I moved back I didn't have a job so I just this is pre-internet pre-faxing I have like <laughs> I have like a little like index card file folder and I would just like and I would like look at the Washington Post and clip out the little classifieds and like apply to jobs like yeah <laughs> and then I was also a um a temp you know I mean I'm sure like you know in Australia you have temp agencies mm-hmm. and I bring that up because I was the best damn like secretary temp and I mean I remember going and working at some place and like the temp place would call me and say like do you have experience working on Macs back when Macs were those little tiny mini boxes yeah oh yes absolutely meanwhile I never but I you know I learned like on the job so I was like able to do anything right I was like able to jump in, parachute into like different places as a temp. And in DC, everything was very fast, no matter if you were temping or not. You know, I was working at associations and working for nonprofits and corporate and universities. And then I finally answered an ad and got a job for a nine month position with American Association of University Women. And I was in charge of their registration for their big national convention. Again. I didn't know AUW from anything. I didn't know conventions and registration, but I just was like, I'll take it. Like they're offering me a job. So I learned about event planning from that place, from that way forward. And I just met some really interesting people and learned how to be part of a bigger team and sort of be part of like how to, you know, organize, you know, rallies and mobilize mailings and all these kind of things that you don't, I didn't realize till later that they laddered into like what I would ultimately need and want. Again, I still had PR was not on my radar because I didn't even know what it was. My university, University of California, the communications is kind of like a like fluffy to them because they're research institutions. So like that's not really like a thing. Like that's you know it was they weren't into practical like you know like they're just like really give you some theoretical um degrees so anyway so long story short i did get an opportunity when i was at auw to interview with uh my neighbor's boyfriend had a pr agency and I didn't even know what PR was, but I did know that their biggest client was Burger King Corporation. And they also worked with Crayola and Silly Putty and that kind of thing. And they did a lot in radio promotion. So anyway, when I showed up, I just knew how to write really well. I knew how to communicate. I said I had event experience. So PR, again, when I first got PR, I didn't even know what the P or the R were in, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just didn't. And, but I knew I could write. I knew I liked journalism because one of the, the closest class I probably took in college to PR was a journalism class. And it was like one of my favorite classes. 
um, just in terms of the type of writing. So, you know, when I got my first PR job with a small agency in DC and they ultimately moved me to Miami to be in-house at Burger King Corporation, which is where their world headquarters was at the time, and they were publicly held, and I got to work on all kinds of really interesting, you know, sort of um, watershed moments for Burger King. They switched from Pepsi to Coke, they launched their kids club, they switched their, their french fry oil recipe. All these things were very, very significant, big. It's a global company. We launched like the first, you know, restaurant um, in the brand in Hungary, and, you know, so... I learned very quickly that this was like a kind of a cool profession and then I ended up in Miami getting another job with a small agency that had a lot of real estate and travel clients and like within like the first like couple months of me being in this job they're like we're gonna send you to the Caribbean with some travel editors I'm like I've never been wow. to the Caribbean I don't know <laughs> and I was so excited that I was like oh my gosh like I can do this for a living so that's also why I was to say to your listeners is public relations, I actually try to not hire people that necessarily have, I'm not saying it's a, it's a negative, I'm just saying that I see the value in coming to the PR profession without necessarily having a communications or a PR degree. If you come mm. with history or English or journalism or you know any kind of like background because if you can write well, if you can communicate well, if you are a hustler and you have a lot of curiosity, PR can, because you can come from any, like, listen, I just happen to like love travel and found that I can like actually apply this thing, this profession of PR to an area that I loved. But, you know, there's PR in so many different, you know, I have friends that do PR for, you know, a tech and digital companies or for pharmaceutical companies or packaged goods or, you know, so the nice thing about PR is it literally can apply to every single, can apply to government, to nonprofit. So you, if you have a passion or an interest or a background, PR could be another like sort of layer to add on to that because you're coming at it with an expertise. Cause I consider myself as much a PR person as I do a hospitality expert because now I have like two core key pieces of you know when we do other things outside of hospitality you can add on to that sort of halo from like wellness to food to real estate or retail but the core is say hospitality through and the PR side so I think PR is exciting that way because it you can actually be fusing like two very different types of capabilities or interests or passions that you might have. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. I think um, when you find a sector that you're really connected to, and you don't have to find a sector that you're connected to at the start of your career. I mean, I, I was in television for over a decade and I loved working in television, but I wasn't actually really connected to the sector. I didn't watch a lot of television. I wasn't living and breathing reality shows despite the fact that's what I was working on it wasn't until I started a hospitality I thought oh now I get it like because I really am connected to this industry and um, I think at the start of your career how important is it to to work within a sector you enjoy and at what point do you think if you are in a sector that 
isn't necessarily something that you're super connected to, do you think you should start transitioning into that? Well, like I said, I, I took so many different types of like jobs. I mean, you know, like, like Burger King, am I a fast food person? No, but frankly, it's a fascinating multi global, you know, multinational global company. And I feel like I earned my like, you know, masters in PR by doing that that job. So yeah, I was not connected to the brand as a maybe consumer, but certainly as a, I was, it was a brand awareness type of thing. But I think that like, it's really important to, when you're just starting off, I mean, you know what, curiosity seriously is one of my paramount sort of areas of focus, like for, for how I hire people and where I think people will end up like being successful because you can find interest in so many different sectors. And I, I think that a lot of younger people, because we interview a lot of people that come through here and I actually have two teenagers and I have many young people in my life that the ones that find sort of a joy or an interest or kind of can create a narrative and a pathway of, of sort of curiosity despite the fact that they might not you know be you know a friend of mine did PR for like some Olympians she's like I'm like the least like athletic person but she has this complete like you know sort of respect and admiration for what goes into it and understands it so being a lot it's much better to end up later in something I think that you love because you have you have to sort of eliminate but also be dip your toes into a lot of different ponds, I think, because it's, you, you're going to be surprised at what sparks your interest and sparks your love. And a lot of that is not going to be the subject matter. Some of it's going to be the people you're working with, you know, and also, you know, listen, you might like love nonprofit work, but there's not a lot of budget in it. So, you know, working at Burger King, I'm telling you, the budget was sort of like, you know, hi, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember what it was, but it was sort of like, get it done, you know, like, but it, you know, but when I was working at an association and nonprofit, it's not like that. So, you know, having that experience at a very high level, global corporate publicly traded company was invaluable because I saw like what was possible. I could then take that and bring it down back to like when I was working with a nonprofit or some other kind of organization. So I think being really into like trying different sectors is really important, but also just gravitate toward those mentors and those people who are hiring you or who you're going to be able to work with on a more intimate level because you'll learn from those people really the tactics behind what makes a really great, you know, public relations campaign to how to, you know, progress your career to how to like do client relations. So you can learn a lot at the very baseline from just having really good managers and mentors, despite what the subject matter is and what your client base might be. Mm, I think a lot, um, well, certainly, you know, I've, um, through people that have contacted me via the podcast um, and the, uh, uh, they are at the start of their careers. They 
there's, I guess there's two things they kind of think about a lot. One is, you know, I want to work in a sector, a beauty, and I can't get a beauty job. And so how, like, how do I go about getting a beauty job? And I, I think become very fixated about, well, how do I work in the industry that I think that I really want to work into, work in? And what I keep trying to tell them is that it is better to get experience. You, maybe your experience is working in tech. And then in two years time, when a beauty job comes up, someone is much more likely to hire someone that has two years PR experience in tech than someone that, you know, doesn't have any experience at all that's been waiting for the perfect job. So get mm-hmm. in there and start working on those skills because they are absolutely transferable. And the other thing that they think about a lot is, and I and I certainly didn't do this, and I'd be interested to hear from you what your perspective was, but, you know, they're at the start of their career and they keep thinking about 10 years or 20 years or this is where I want to be. And not that that's a bad thing at all to, to have some focus and to have some goals, but um, I certainly had zero um, uh, desire to have my own agency when I started working. In fact, I didn't have any desire to have my own agency until six months before I decided to have my own agency it was not a master plan for me. In fact, I had no kind of projection of my career. I was really happy doing the job that I was doing, you know, in each job I, w- I was. I really liked the fact that I had the security of somebody else employing me. I had never thought that it would be great to kind of control my own destiny. Um, what was it like f- for you? Did you have aspirations of having your own agency? Was it something that just came around because of circumstance what led you to to launching your own well I also did not have visions of having my own agency and not because I didn't think that I could but it just didn't I never really I only worked for some small agencies in Miami so when I moved to New York City from Miami so I went from DC to Miami and then I was like wanted to move to New York because this is where the media sort of capital is of the U.S. I moved here without a job. So what I did is every person that I met before I left and moved, I asked them, I said, I need to make friends. I need to get a job and I need to know like what to do. So like I needed everybody under the sun to give me some sort of advice on like what I was going to do in New York. So that's how I ended up getting my first job up here, which was Orient Express Hotels in-house. So that went from an agency. So I never worked in New York at a PR agency. So I don't have, I didn't have that sort of background, which in some way, so the reason I started my agency is I was in-house at Orient Express. I loved my job. It was a dream job, but I was engaged to be married to somebody in San Francisco. And this is work from home or work from anywhere so I was like I have to quit because I'm like moving to San Francisco so I gave them like a couple months notice hired my replacement trained her and then I like broke off my engagement so then I was like oh boy I'm like now what now I'm not moving (laughs) I don't have a job so I sort of started freelancing and doing some jobs some work and I would say to anybody though you know because now it's like 20 years later and I've got this amazing two companies, as you said, but you know, it's different today as a, now I have an infrastructure, right? We've got 35 plus people, like you said, all over the country. We were sort of pre-COVID, we were kind of identified ourselves as bi-coastal. Now we've got people all over the country, but you know, there's a lot that goes into 
running an agency. So as opposed to like me, when I was like a freelance PR person at the beginning, which was just me, you know, working, you know, from my kitchen table and getting a few project clients and loving it. But as I grew and hired people and, you know, then you all of a sudden you have to get them benefits and you have to hire, do HR things. And then you have to like hire an accountant and a lawyer and all these things to kind of create a culture and give people opportunity for advancement. And, you know, people want to know what their, what their plan is going to be. And so as much as I didn't have a plan for doing that, people, you know, I feel like that's a really nice and good, important thing to provide for people is letting them know that you value their work, but that you also want them to like, you know, have a career and also build something from it. So even like many people who have obviously, you know, worked with me over the course of 20 years, I mean, I keep in touch with a lot of them because I want them to, you know, know that this is really, I know this is in some ways like a way station for them to like, you know, move on to other things. Some have like started their other agencies. Some would be considered competitors, but like I'm still close with them and use them as sounding boards and even mentors in some ways or collaborators. So, you know, it's, it's a funny thing for, you know, I, I wouldn't say start out in PR with like this idea to have your own agency because it's, being a freelancer is very different than being an agency owner. And, you know, both are somewhat independent. But, you know, I have a lot of obligation to make sure that, you know, people keep their jobs. You know what I mean? Like, so in some ways, it's not just me. It's, it's a lot bigger than me in terms of, like, making sure that there's a successful... So you have to think very, very carefully before you say, you know, okay, I've, I've done my time at agency. I'm going to go do my own thing. It's, it's nice in PR because if you do want to sort of transition from things, sometimes you want to leave a job, you can always do pickup jobs and freelancing, that kind of thing. And sometimes that would be fine for certain people to just sort of have a life of freelance gigs from here to there. It's not for me. I like, I like a little more webbed sort of foundational, you know, uh, sort of culture, if you will, with, with, you know, reliable people who, you know, are all sort of like all for one, one for all. And we're all sort of working toward common business goals. And um, so it's kind of like a convoluted answer because it's just different being when I first started on my own as sort of a freelancer. But to be honest, when I, once you decide to like start your agency, because I had been courted by some other big firms and I considered it and went and interviewed for these big agencies who were very reputable and lovely and nice people. But then, you know, it, it provided me an opportunity to have options, right? Do I, and if I'm going to stay independent, do I just want to be like, kind of like by myself, kind of like scrappy and just, you know, kind of gerbil, you know, gerbil mm. kneeling. So once you make a commitment to like get a little more add on, you know, it, it both helps, but also complicates things. You know, like I have a lease like that. I, you know, yeah. we have equipment, you know, we have, you know, payroll and benefits and 401ks and all kinds of things that need to be, you know, gardened and tended to regularly. 
Yeah, I think that um, that transition to going from, you know, because I I started my agency with a, um, a colleague. So it was the two of us in the agency. And we didn't have any massive aspirations at that point. We both just felt there was a gap in the hospitality sector in Sydney. I think there was one maybe two PR agencies that were virtually 100% hospitality focused. Everyone else that dabbled in hospitality did a bit of fashion, did a bit of lifestyle, you know, broader travel, whatever it may be. So we could see that there was a gap for an agency. But I also had very limited agency experience. I had worked in an agency in London for four months. Um as a senior account executive, I worked in my first job was in Perth in Western Australia as um, a publicity assistant in television. I did that for a year and a half or two years, and I went to London, tempt for my first year. Again, I was a very good temp. I love okay. doing the secretarial stuff. I mean, I, I think everyone has different strengths and weaknesses, and certainly mine was organisation. Um, so I worked, you know, temping was a really good fit for me, and I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and um, I but I couldn't get a job in television. I'd only had two years' experience in in Australia, and I could not get a job in television in London. So I took a stint at a at an agency for four months. So long story short, you know, that was my only agency experience within 12, 12 years. I think of working in PR, I had four months of working in an agency, and that was my only agency agency experience. But it's very different when you launch your own agency because you're now the person that's in control of which clients you may want to work with, what you like you said, what your culture might be, all those all those other elements. When you were starting your agency, did you have um and I guess when I say agency when you went from I guess doing consulting, freelance consulting and moving into an agency structure where you started to have team members around you, did you have a a, a business plan of what the next five years hopefully would look like? Or was it just a case of great, we've got an extra couple of clients, I'm now going to hire someone else. Okay, we've got some more clients, I'm going to hire, you know, a second or a third person. Well, I did have a business plan, to be frank, but it it really provided me just like the opportunity to commit to doing it, because I feel like I wrote it and I reviewed it with um, like a business advisor. And I I don't even know what drawer it still maybe is in or box somewhere. You know, it's not something that I referred back to, but I do think it's a healthy exercise to do because it helps, it, it, it does move you from being like freelancer to committed entrepreneur. And I think, and I will say something that a couple years ago, so if you're going to like the fact that I've been around for 20 years and probably around five years ago. So it's like maybe maybe five or six years ago. I stopped thinking of myself as just a PR person and like good at what I do. And I started thinking of myself as a business person. And as soon as I very subtly shifted my own sort of perception and also my own approach to my own business, I joined Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business small businesses program which they probably have in other I know they have them all over the United States they might have them in other countries as well and being around other and with other entrepreneurs so again they weren't necessarily PR people they were coming from all kinds of different sectors I mean there was every kind of 
business owner and entrepreneur under the sun, but you realize that at the, at the core level, at the foundational level, we all have the same similar kind of issues, whether it's hiring talent, you know, motivating your talent, bringing in clients, you know, managing your revenue. So once I started thinking about myself as a real business person and beyond just being a good PR person, it really elevated our overall sort of approach to, you know, business. And then you can be, you can start being like a lot more discerning and a lot more focused in your ongoing business practices. So well, as I did have a nice little business plan that I did and committed to, it wasn't for many years later as I got a lot of the other, and I kept, I call it like, you know, the Django version of building up. Like I just kept building up and I realized then I needed to kind of take a step back and start really focusing on the foundational piece. So adding in some really key resources on HR and recruiting and talent you know, retention and really revamping my finance team and getting like just these other, and then adding Maverick, my second agency, because I was saying no to business. Like once I started thinking like a business person and not just like, oh, isn't that nice that I have so many great clients that I can't take any more on? Well, you know what? That's BS because it's like, no, I'm, I was sick of saying no or sick of passing it on. It's like, that's not how business people work in the real world. They work around it. So it's like finding solutions to like problems in business is just as important as finding solutions for your clients' problems. So it's really a, a kind of subtle distinctions, but a lot of it is just like, how are you gonna, you know, focus on your own business so that you can be even that much more successful and provide that much more success for the people that work for you. And again, ultimately for your clients. So does that answer your question? It does. Yeah, no, I think that's a great answer. Um, you were talking about staffing and I imagine maybe your approach to this has changed over the last 20 years and maybe it hasn't. Do you tend to kind of uh, split your staff between junior to senior do you tend to hire more top heavy staff because they're more strategic and they can do some of the execution what's your kind of spread because you I think you mentioned you had you know 35 ish employees yeah. across the companies do you is there a particular approach that you prefer well no because it's really you know we've kind of gotten a lot more strategic with how we you know, sort of wrangle our talent and how we, you know, so one of the things we do now is really focus on the staff to revenue ratio. So we try to get a two to one ratio. So like our billings are approximately twice of whatever we would pay our talent. So that allows us to like pay for everything else, right? Like yeah. rent and, you know, events and, you know, raises and have a profit margin to put back into the business. So whenever we get a new client or more, you know, hopefully, you know, we're, we're, we know exactly what teams have, which account time left. So that's how we determine it. So typically if, if a senior, you know, we, and we work in teams, so there's usually a VP 
and or a director, an account supervisor, an AE and an AC. So that's ideally the, the team and that, that team gets allocated certain clients that they then have to manage the time of how they spend on that sort of um, client collection. So we have different teams. There is sometimes crossover because there might be like, oh my gosh, this account, new account coordinator only has like two accounts on this team, but you know, this other account might need it. So we're not really hiring based on title as much as it's kind of, we know exactly what holes need to be filled. And listen, we've also just made a strategic hire, which is for a, we call her a media relations specialist, but it took us a long time to hire this person because they're not really like an account lead and they're not a junior person, they're kind of senior. And um, they um, are really only gonna be focusing on thought leadership for our top level like clients. So that took a while. So, you know, that was a strategic hire. Um, and then we just hired a new senior person who's hybrid, digital and social and PR. Like, so really, that's really like our focus going forward is making sure that even if somebody can't execute on a fully integrated campaign, they can at least direct it. And then we have a digital team then that can we can bring in to supplement. So I would say anybody that's, you know, either starting out in in PR or, I mean, listen, I just took a digital marketing class myself virtually um, last year. So, I mean, I would say to any PR person is continue to like take classes, educate yourself, learn more because, you know, if I was just relying on like media relations, like yesteryear, again, I started when I was like faxing press releases, like, you know, now I'm, you know, or like doing mailers, like, you know, mailing press releases, like, um, so I, I think that you have to be really, you know, keen to like, continue to like, educate and learn. And those are the people that we look to hire too, are people who have a little bit of a diversity in their background. Um, the talent piece in the States right now is really, is really challenging. You, you'll, you'll, you know, but I will say it's helped with work from home because now we're, our talent pool, we're not stuck with like, do you live in New York or LA? We're like, where do you live? And we want the best. So yeah. we have people now that are in Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida, Canada, you know, Northern California, Southern California, and lots in between. So it's, it's really opened our, our, our sort of opportunity to like tap into lots of different types of talent. Mm. Certainly in terms of the talent pool here, I've got, you know, colleagues that run agencies or are GMs and agencies, and it's very similar in Australia. It's very, <clears throat> excuse me, very difficult to find and retain staff at the moment. There seems to be, it's quite a competitive industry. So, so yeah, so I certainly think it seems to be quite similar in Australia. Um, yeah. When you look back over the last uh, decade, uh, two decades, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned as a business owner in terms of whether it's staffing, whether it's productivity, whether it's um, challenges that have come your way that you've had to overcome? What have been some of the most difficult um, or even low points as a business owner? Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say, you know, dealing with a global pandemic <laughs> when you're a travel 
focused agency has been challenging, but you know what? You also have to like, you know, lean into it. You have to buckle in and like kind of go for it and sort of not, you know, and, and, you know, ask for help. When I say asking for help, I don't mean like, you know, flailing in a drowning kind of way, but like you go to your bank, you go to your accountant, you know, I went to my landlord and asked for like a reduction in, you know, rent. I mean, a lot of it is, again, using all the skills you have as a PR person and, and communicating, right? And letting people know that, you know, you need their business or you need a break and that kind of thing. So in business, it's not that different than how you operate in other relationships. You might not be, you know, as intimate with your business, like, you know, partners and clients and what have you, but all the rules still apply. Be honest, be transparent, you know, just be vulnerable. It's okay to let people know that like things aren't perfect because, you know, nine times out of 10, they've got, you know, a similar situation or most people are willing and happy to like help you, whether it's give you a business lead or, Hey, I know this great accountant or call like this person, that person. It's, it's one of the amazing things that I find about, again, being kind of identifying myself as an entrepreneur as much as a PR person is there's so many resources to, to being a small business owner. And it, it really, it's sort of one of those, you're not alone, but you've got to look for it and you've got to ask for it. And, you know, there's no, don't don't get so prideful that you're sort of just trying to prop yourself in the corner and let people think that everything is is fine because uh it's much more interesting to you know pull in different resources and people and again you'll be surprised at how people will you know really pull together and and offer support so I mean, you know, again, global pandemic is definitely one of the more challenging pieces. Um, My biggest advice, I guess, would be always have a great accountant and be really like up on your numbers. Have a great lawyer should you need it just at the, you know, click of a finger. I rarely need that. Thank God, knock on wood. But, you know, I have it should I need it to do contracts or, you know, anything having to do with... uh, you know, sort of the, the, the legal part of it. And you know, listen, we have a lot of clients like international and, and global, um, you know, just be part of like your community too, meaning joining PR agency or councils, like we have the PR yeah. council in the States or also being, um, you know, in the, whatever your sector is in hospitality, we've got lots of like hospitality industry uh, events and conferences and resources. And, you know, being as much a lending hand to other people as, you know, you would hope that they would be to you is really, you know, there's that. I mean, so like the low points become really like empowering sometimes if you can just, you know, let people know what you need. I'm always in that sort of mode of like, I can only solve the problems. I know how to resource. So like I can resource for a lot of things. Just tell me what you need. And you know, whether I'm saying that to a client, to an employee, or just to, 
you know, another colleague or a friend for that matter is, you know, we can only solve the problems that we know the scope of it. Yeah. And how can I I fit in to help? Yeah, I think being agile and resourceful are two of the most important skills of being in PI. You've got to be able to think quickly, but rationally and clearly and make the most of what's at your fingertips, (laughs) which sometimes isn't much. Sometimes you might be working with clients that have very limited budget and maybe that's the resource. Maybe the resource is not having staff. Maybe it is not having access to the kind of technology that maybe a much bigger agency is. So it's about, um, I think, working with what you've got to the best of your ability. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate and I I am in my office right now, but a lot of my colleagues – that have been, have other small agencies, not just necessarily in hospitality, but in New York, they're, um, they don't have offices. So I'm offered like my, sorry, there's a little siren going out, I'm sorry. I've offered my space to other friends who have agencies, should they need to meet with a client or meet with their staff or just wanna come into New York and just have like a place to sort of like park their laptop. So I'm able to like offer a lot of just, uh, you know, in-kind sort of support too to people, which you don't really realize at the time until sort of somebody, you know, I did have a friend who had a fashion PR agency and she gave up her space and she just really, she was outside of the city and really wanted to meet with some of her staff and just have like a real working brainstorming session for a half day and she took over our conference room which I was happy to do and you know and she was just so grateful and sort of and you know I was sort of like yeah of course like but you have to realize what people sometimes you know need and just be available to like lend a helping hand it sounds tiny bit trite but it's actually true you know if you have you know a piece of bread break it in two and you know give it to a friend I mean it's it's a lot more interesting to you know trudge down this path with somebody and <laughs> give what you can yeah I've, I've had so much given to me in terms of like advice and you know access to people and introductions and you know just real live like you know moments that have really helped me be a success and sort of be confident in what my decisions are too you know just having like somebody to you know bounce ideas off of is is invaluable Mm, don't be afraid I think to either turn to your colleagues or um, acquaintances even. I mean, I've had a couple of times where I've had a, you know, a business situation that I wasn't quite sure how to, how to manage. Um, and I knew someone had been through something similar. I didn't know them particularly well. I met them once or twice. And um, um, I just turned to them and said, look, you know, I'm, I'm going through this at the moment. I know you've been through something similar. How did you manage that? And I think um, using those resources of people of who've been through something similar, um, is really important. Don't feel afraid to approach another agency owner and ask for their advice on how they tackled it. I know when I was starting my agency, you know, I spoke to maybe a couple of people before I even launched mine. And when I say launched, I mean, it was just myself and my business partner. We don't have any clients. It wasn't like we launched to some fanfare. Um, but, you know, we, we spoke to a couple of people in the industry, again, that we didn't know particularly well, but we, you know, we knew of. 
And uh, we learned some really valuable lessons before we even started running with ours, you know, in terms of, like you said, accounting and, and tax and what you need to do. And as a small business, make sure you do this and you don't do this. So I think, um, I think reaching out to people is, is, uh, is really important. Just to finish up, there's three quick questions that I wanted to go through. Okay. Um, so one, is there another power agency or consultant that you really admire and, and why? And the reason why I'm asking this question is um, I think there is so much for us to learn and there may be people that you uh, work with or know of that you really admire that we've never heard of in other parts of the world. Yeah. So is there, is there anyone that comes to mind? There's so many PR people that I have worked with over the course of my career that it's really, it's very difficult for me to identify who that would be. Um, there's two distinctive situations that came out of the pandemic that allowed me to connect in a different way than I normally would as just being a PR agency owner. And so one example is there's a, a an editor that started a weekly kind of call right when the pandemic sort of shut down in New York. And she brought together other travel editors and writers. She brought together PR, travel PR people and some travel advisors. So every week we would kind of share like, and this goes back to like, you know, pre, like right when things were happening and it's still going on. Now it's every other week, but for the first year it was like every week. And we were able to like share stories and insights, whether they were coming from like what's going on in Turkey to South Africa to like, you know, what travelers are doing or just like what we're seeing and how we're managing our business to, you know, the journalists were struggling with like, how do we write about travel during this time? So from that, like another sort of little subgroup of us in the PR side that were on this call got a lot closer and we all do travel PR. So it's Jeffrey Weil, Melanie Brandman, she's Australian as well, um, Alice Marshall, Laura Davidson. So these are all people that conceivably, if there was an RFP that would go out for any kind of travel product, we would all, in, in theory, be on the same sort of roster of potential clients. But we dropped all those pretenses and became sort of like, had our own little you know, email chain of like, how's it going? Or what are you seeing when we had like the government, like um, assistance program, like, you know, how are you doing it? Or who are you using? And, you know, talent and like, are you, it, it just became like this very supportive, um, just really nice opportunity to, to connect with these colleagues who, of course, I've always known and certainly have been in the same room with, whether it's at a party or again, like coming in and out of a pitch and they all have great reputations. So it really allowed us all to sort of like, again, be like, just like, oh my gosh, we're all in the same situation. We're all in the same boat. Let's just like share information, share intel, be a support for one another. So you know, there's so many amazing PR agencies and PR people out there that have always touched my career and my life and have probably, you know, 
launched it into different directions that I can't even like start to enumerate. But I would say that's like one of the more recent experiences of like just being able to rely on, because when you're an agency owner, even though I have staff of, again, 35 people, they're, my staff, I try to keep them away from like the, the foils and the troubles and all the stuff that is, you know, kind of keeping me up at night. So having a small collective of, you know, group of people that kind of immediately understand and get what we're going through, is, I mean, I'm just very grateful to all of them for being sort of really good friends and just very, you know, generous with their insights and support to one another as well as to me. Yeah, that's an amazing resource to to be um, comfortable and vulnerable enough to be transparent and honest with a, mm-hmm. a bunch of like-minded people that are in a similar position. That sounds like a, a really great initiative. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, my second question, uh, what do you think is the most important attribute or handful of attributes that sets apart a great PR consultant from a good one? Oh, <laughs> Um Listen, you got to be like a good person as well as like a good writer or a good, you know, communicator. You know, having like some morals and values is, is key. And then just having enthusiasm for what you're doing. I mean, a smile goes a long way. You know, a genuine question. You know, you know nobody likes to know it all. So like, you know ask questions like again going back to that curiosity thing so i think that that's you know a really key attribute you know and but also not being pollyanna you know we have clients that are going through and have gone through and will continue to go through very difficult times so you don't need to be the happy peppy pr person all the time you need to be a very grounded resource for your clients So you do not always have to have like, you know, the happy peppy smile. You have to be, you know, a good listener as much as you have, you know, a good communicator. So it's, it's a really important piece of what I think is, and you know, and follow through, you know, I mean, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. If you're going to meet a deadline, meet it. You know, lots of little things that make up a collective in terms of like what a successful PR person is is going to be. Um, it's just like, you know, that reliability and sort of you don't have to be the smartest person in the world room, but you have to be like the most, you know, reliable and sort of, you know, you don't want to <laughs> don't go Jekyll and Hyde on people, you know, be <laughs> consistent and <laughs> just uh, just be genuine. And uh, it's like a lot of what we talked about, like, you know, you don't have to know all of it, but, you know, but know your clients, like, you know, be part of what the, what their story is and what their sort of process is and, and take the time to understand who they are. And again, it's part of that listening process, but listening also requires some research and just, you know, note taking and paying attention. Mm. Those are the things I look for when I'm hiring people and, you know, the people that will thrive and be successful here are are those types of individuals. And finally, what is the key to leading a balanced life in this notoriously chaotic industry from your perspective? Listen, 
I'm fortunate that I get to work in the travel sector, so I do love to travel, and travel gives me a lot of pleasure. Whether I'm traveling with a client or to see a client or, you know, with a journalist or going, you know, I'm leaving for two weeks to Hawaii on a holiday with my family. So, listen, I'm a working mom, and I'm giving a big shout-out to working moms because I know what it's like, and so I have two teenagers now, but when I started my agency, again, 20 years ago, I'll just tell you, I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. So I started my agency single, or you know, kidless. So I have worked my whole entire career, especially as an agency owner, as a working mom for the most part. And so you need to like decide you can have both, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's probably opening a can of worms, like, you know, but how you have both is how, you know, what, what becomes valuable to you in terms of like how you spend your time. So I'm lucky because I love travel and I have brought my family, my kids and my husband along with me on many, many trips. And I've, I've sort of instilled a, a love of travel to them as well. But, you know, a lot of it is, you know, like I'm, you know, you go home at night, you know, and you have to like when you're, when you do shut down the computer at the office or shut the laptop, it's like try to like really be as present you, as you can with the people that are around you, you know, have lots of other interests besides your industry, besides PR and um, because it'll make you much more grounded and well-rounded and a much more interesting person and be much more interesting at dinner parties for sure because you'll have more <laughs> to talk about in your job yeah that is good advice well jen it's been really lovely chatting to you today thank you so much for taking the time to share your insight and experiences of course you know i i love pr i will always talk to you about pr and i hope anybody who's considering a career in pr that you consider travel it's it's a it's a good one. It's a fun one. It goes and it's not going anywhere. We're in a little yeah. bit of a funny place right now, but you know, it's it's an area that people love and I don't I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. So and if anybody ever wants to reach out to me directly, please do so through Brooke and the podcast, because I'm happy to to talk to anybody who's interested in either getting into PR or, you know, continuing to develop their career in PR. That's very kind of you. Thank you for that offer. Um, and if anyone is listening has any topics they would like discussed on the podcast, feel free to email me. You'll see my details on the website. Thanks for listening to the PR pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.